This is Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. Hello and a Happy New Year, listeners. I'm Jake Cantor. On the show this week, TV funny man Tim Hicks leaves Endemol Shine Group, E4 hops into bed with Netflix, and Robot Wars returns to BBC Two. Later on, we'll have our usual brace of previews, get the verdict on Gold's new Catherine Tate comedy, Do Not Disturb, and BBC Two documentary, Phone Shop Idol. That's all coming up on Talking TV from Broadcast. At Talking TV Towers for our first outing of the year is Robin Parker, Broadcast Features Editor. Uh, also a warm welcome to Faraz Osman, Managing Director of Lemonade Money. How are you guys doing? What Happy have you been year. watching while we've been away? You know, I'm going to say this, and it's, I, I, I'm going to start with a moan. I think that the Christmas telly this year was rubbish. I just didn't. There wasn't a lot new, was there? Yeah, I just, I just didn't engage with any of it whatsoever. Um, it, was a, it was definitely a Netflix Christmas for me. Like, Making a Murderer got completely obsessed with, obviously. Really? It feels like there's been one of those moments around Making a Murderer, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was obviously moaning about Top of the Pops Christmas as well, which feels so old and dated and cringeworthy now. It's like everybody kind of goes, oh, waiting for that moment, turn it on. And then just kind of screw their face up and move away from it because it just. It and just the BBC's like doing well. Sounds like they might be revisiting Top of the Pops. So I think that they're looking to do something new. I imagine. I, I can't imagine they'll, they'll bring that back. It just doesn't. It just. I think that the thing is with Top of the Pops is that it's an old brand, and so you've got old people that that are in the audience because they're the ones that relate to it and are excited about going to see that show. And 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 when you've got like younger acts speaking, you know, performing in front of an older crowd, it just doesn't. It feels very odd experience. How long did it take you to? Uh, binge through making a murderer. We did it in three days, which I think is a lot. Actually, yeah, I think it's most people get it done in one, show, one yes. evening. But it's yeah. it's just it's it is incredible that you can you know get documentary to that long form and, and engage with it all the way through. It's just an insane story. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've seen story. the first episode. It's slightly disturbing. I can't. I I, I don't think. Yeah, I've I only could, seen I part could, one. I could watch it. You've only seen one episode. I don't think yeah, I could binge. All right. Oh no, you've, you've seen nothing. That, the, everyone the says episode. part four is the one. But it's yeah. so intense, though. Are you there? You haven't, you haven't even started. <laughs> it's like, laid the laid yeah. the basic groundwork. Yeah, if it's part part one is absolutely nothing. It's uh, it's it's literally just a, a prologue to actually what the real story is. It's an, it's absolutely insane. It's completely insane and just makes you glad that, that we live in the UK, I think. Okay. Robin, anything that caught your attention? Um, well, I loved it. I loved and then there were none. It was very enough. popular at Broadcast House. Very popular. I thought it was just very refreshing because it was, it was Agatha Christie's you don't usually see here. I mean, it is a, a different book to some of the more straightforward detective fiction, but I just thought it was done with a very different approach. It'll be interesting to see what that team brings to some of her other works. I know they've, they've got another commission. But so, yeah, stellar cast, great production. And, yeah, getting into some of the new dramas, War and Peace, Deutschland 83. I think it's going to be quite a, a fertile time. Deutschland 83 is very good. War and Peace is, uh, I don't know, it's a bit of a romp, isn't it? It's a romp, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I don't, yeah. you know, I'm not as familiar as some with the source material other than, you know, sort of knowing by osmosis. But I think the characters are great. I think the performance is great. It's very Andrew Davis. He is a great storyteller. Yeah, you're, you're sort of getting what you pay yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, let's move on to some proper news, shall we? <laughs> First up this week is TV titan Tim Hinks' departure from Endemol Shine Group after 17 years. Uh, the president is off to pursue a new adventure after overseeing the company's mega merger last year and consistently making the case for attracting and retaining top talent. Uh, Hinks's peers believe he'll be a big loss to Endemol Shine. Channel 4 Chief Creative Officer Jay Hunt described him as one of the industry's most charismatic creative leaders, uh, while Sony boss Wayne Garvey said Hinks is one of the funniest people alive. Um, 
he's definitely a figurehead, isn't he, Robin? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, as with with Stuart Murphy's departure at Sky, you are seeing, you know, people who, who are not just suits who are leading these these companies. They are clearly great business minds, but also they're, they're, they're part of the fun of the industry and they're obviously very, very creative people. So everyone will be fascinated to see what he does next after his extended gardening leave, which I'm sure he'll uh, he'll enjoy. And it does sort of point... It could be about, could be about eight months <laughs> when we're months, here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does, and it does point to that thing of, you know, how you... Set about you know still capturing that kind of creative spirit. I know obviously within the Endemore Shine Group there are lots of labels which have their own creative bosses, but at the, at the top of the organisation you need you know good good solid business people and you you need a bit of personality personality and charisma there as well, which obviously he brought in in spades. So there's some questions to whether that you would replace like for like because clearly he was someone who was part of the lifeblood of Endemore who sort of created his own path, but will there be another person who can step in and, and bring that you know creative leadership? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a comment in broadcast this week that says he's almost he almost became like a emblem for the company actually yeah. being all right and everything ticking along quite nicely. What I would say is is that there's something interesting going on about these huge mergers that kind of are starting to happen, and now I think that we, I think we're, we're going to start seeing a situation where lots of creators are going to go off and start doing their own thing because they want to regain that creative control. You know, 17 years—that's a long time to be in one job or at least in one company. And I think that it would be nice to see lots of these people breaking away and, and starting their own thing. And, you know, I, I know Stuart said that he doesn't want to kind of continue in television, but seeing what Stuart Murphy Indy would, would look like would be interesting. Seeing what Tim could start from afresh and, and seeing what territories he wants to explore could be really interesting. And, and I hope that we, we now start seeing, instead of lots of these big mergers and American takeovers, etc., we start seeing some, some more kind of um, grassroots rebellion, new indies that will start up and, uh, and, and do some interesting stuff. Tim, Tim's quite forceful on this point, though. He, he, he says that... Uh, big companies don't necessarily suffocate creativity. Do you do you buy into that? Well, I think that what Endemol do, uh, really, what Endemol Shine or uh, SGC or whatever they're called ESG. now, is like, yes, yeah. yeah, it's well, a bit confusing. No one, <laughs> no one. Uh, it seems like the acronym is sort of catching on. But I think, it, I think actually, I mean, the point I was going to make is that it doesn't really matter what Endemol Shine Group is called because people look at the the individual kind of labels they've got inside it, which I think is you know House of Tomorrow and. Um, you know, remarkable, and all these, all those little companies that they have within that group is is what keeps them, you know, creative and, and ticking over because they all feel like smaller companies within a bigger machine, and and that is a smart strategy. Um, but it feels like, for, from Tim's perspective, you know, I, I don't know because, like I said, I've I've not had any direct contact with him. But it, it for me, it wouldn't surprise me if he just kind of looked at it from a, on top and went, "Where's my creativity in all of this? I, I want to start." doing stuff that's uh, that's interesting and, and can scratch that itch for me. You'd imagine if you spoke to the likes of Tiger Aspect or uh, Remarkable House of Tomorrow, as we've been saying, that they'd say, we're in charge of our own destiny and, yes, and yeah. ultimately no. we can create what we want. Yes, and they've been transformative, you know, bolting on extra companies to you know, the original Endemol Big Brother outfit or, or whatever is has, has, has definitely been beneficial for them. You know, they've moved into drama, they've moved into you know, much more expanded their their comedy output, and then that sits along with the stuff that Shine does as well. Um, so that's so that's um, that's worked very well. I, I think yes, as long as they have good leadership at each of those, that goes back to the point that Tim makes in the magazine about you know you can have a, a small indie that's that, that's run by someone who isn't creative, or you can have a huge company that's run by someone who is creative. You know they're, they're, there are different models and different strengths you can have. Okay, next up, uh, Netflix continue to make its mark on UK television after signing a co-production deal with E4 for a new drama written by Skins creator Brian Elsey. Uh, Six-part series Kiss Me First explores the links between social media and loneliness. 
and Channel 4 hopes it will be the first of many co-productions on E4 as it looks to supercharge the youth channel's drama slate. As for Netflix, well, the subscription service will launch Kiss Me First immediately after it is aired on E4. Uh, That means it will be available in a whopping 190 territories after Netflix announced aggressive expansion plans last week. Fraz, what do you make of this deal? Is that episode by episode that they're looking to release that? So that's that's interesting because obviously Netflix are known for like dropping the whole whole thing and obviously better course. Well, Breaking Bad was episode by episode, wasn't it? So um, it's, it looks like they're kind of re. I think it's when they do when they do deals with the broadcasters. Yeah, it tends to be they're they're kind more, of opening up because the broadcasters are still tied into that. I mean, they haven't nailed that down, but that's the that's the impression they're giving from mm. the information they're giving out now. I, I mean, it's, it's a smart strategy from Channel Four. It makes complete sense. I mean, I think that drama has continued to become more and more competitive in particularly in the UK you know ITV have invested more in it BBC have now started investing more in it and and this is a, a smart way for Channel 4 to compete in that space the only thing I would say is is that we need to be careful that if you're going to do these big deals they obviously did the same thing with humans and and at the time Xbox and then that went on to Amazon was it I can't remember who the AMC. so it's I think that there's a um you know they need to be a little bit careful to make sure that they retain their Britishness um, and that's the only thing that I would I would question is is things that when you look at the great dramas like This Is England and, and even Skins that, that this is obviously from the, you know, the team are, are behind this as well you, you need to be clear that this isn't an international commission it's not an international drama it's a British drama that's shown to an international audience and with the big deal that Channel 4 have done with Water Presents and bringing in lots of international dramas you know we need to make sure that they're telling lots of very good strong clearly defined British stories as well but isn't that what Netflix is doing by by doing this deal, uh, you know, for a drama that's created by Brian Elsey and working with uh, with uh, Charlie Brooker on uh, the new series of Black Mirror, they're buying into British authorship, aren't they? Sure, but does yeah. that mean that they're going to necessarily, uh, uh, by definition, by doing that and having a big American company buy into that for a, for a big international audience? And this is happening across, I think this is happening across UK TV, where people make dramas for international audiences as opposed to British audiences because they're looking to kind of make their return from from a from a back end um, sales and and you know even things like Downton Abbey, which obviously has been the massive success story in British drama in recent times, you know that is feels very British, but it's kind of almost British in a in a caricature sort of way. Completely, um, uh, do, do you know what I mean? And it's so it's it's a bit like can you tell? I mean, I think this is England is a is a really good example. It's like is would that be able to be made? Had you got this this big looming international thing behind you, my beautiful laundrette, all those classic dramas that that the Channel Four spearheaded when they first started, are, are we going to see a, a loss of those because you need to attract a, a bigger international yeah. audience? I don't. I mean, clearly, co-production is going to be a bigger part of what Channel Four does, but they're they're certainly giving signs they're not going to shy away from that. I mean, take for example, they're now doing this ISIS drama with Peter Kosminski. They know that if that was an international co-production, there'd be a lot of challenges and a lot of mm. lots of things that may prove controversial within it. They are committed to making that as a Channel 4 commission. So as long as they are still doing projects like that, I agree, that that, that works. Um, I think Humans is a very good example. I mean, Humans created a massive audience and still felt like a Channel 4 drama with a bit of a, a slightly more mainstream feel than perhaps we're used to, but it was still it still felt like a Channel 4 drama. So I think that's that's a really encouraging sign. And I think with E4, if E4 can can make more drama that's got to be a good thing because there was there was a time when they had skins and they had misfits and they were very channel defining shows they've in drama they've, they've not quite sort of cut through like that in in recent years and i think there's a big market for you know, young adult is a huge 
literary market. This is a young adult novel they're adapting now. There's so many stories out there that they're comparatively few in British television, the kind mm. of stories they're telling. And if, if, they're, if, they now, if they are now budgeted to be able to make these kind of things for a British audience, led by Britain, I think, I think that'll be a, a good thing. And in, when we spoke to Piers for this piece, you know, he made it very clear that... That's Piers Wenger, just sorry. Sorry, just Piers Wenger, the head yeah. of drama at Channel 4. He was very clear that you know the, the deals they were doing with Netflix are on the understanding that this is still a Channel 4 commission, that they understand that Channel 4 is the... You know, creative owner of this. Um, okay. So the signs seem good. The other, the other part of the story, obviously, is that uh, the experience of watching something on Netflix, I would argue, is infinitely better than the experience of watching something on all four. And the fact that we are, are going to be denied that experience when you're looking at something on demand and on catch up. And if you want to watch this, this show... Uh, online, you're going to have to go through the all four platform as opposed to the Netflix platform. Obviously, the Netflix platform has massive more in- amounts of investment in, in in making that technology work. Why, and, why do you prefer it? Well, I mean, it's it's just, just slicker. Um, it's 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 slicker. It's it's easy to find stuff. It's you know, oh, there, there's there's been. I, I don't think I've never met. I mean, I've never met somebody that has used all four and been happy with with the experience of it. You know, it's it's just not a great experience of. Um, of using stuff it's and and i think that you know we're hoping that it'll get better but the reality is is, is that the no ads thing is is never going to change so to get to this content and to to watch it online you're not going to get to do that on netflix and the rest of the world are um mm. so that's netflix, i think that's gonna, netflix is so easy yeah it's and it's everywhere and it's it's you know it's instant um and it, do, it never fails it never falls down it's you know there's so many things about it that they're making it much better experience and by but by perversion, you know, even though this is a Channel 4 commission, you're not going to be able to have that experience because it's going to be put on all four. OK, just finally on this. As always with Channel 4, this, this, the spectre of privatisation is, is sort of looming. Do we think that projects like this get diluted, the Britishness gets diluted by the prospect of Channel 4 becoming a, a private company? This demonstrates that Channel Four can be savvy enough to to do something with the private sector and and remain it, it remain being distinctive and, and public service. I think that this actually demonstrates why Channel Four should continue in its in the guise that it's in. It, I think detracts criticism away from it. It's like you know we can get better investment elsewhere by looking at other partners, but we continue to people want to work with us. You know Netflix working with Channel Four or E Four in this instance is a massive deal, and um, you know I don't think that you'll see the same thing happening with Channel 5 and the drama that they commission. And, and I think that they will, it will only bolster their argument to say, you know, our distinctiveness is selling worldwide and people are attracted to it and you shouldn't tinker with it. Channel 4 will also point to the fact that this, you know, Brian Elsie has a, has a track record of bringing on new writers and that's going to be a part of this. That's a very Channel 4 thing to do. They're promising kind of innovative storytelling with sort of animation and, you know, avatars in an online world as part of a drama, which is quite different to what we're used to seeing if they can pull that off. When can we expect it? Is it this year? Next year. It's going, to, year. going to production later this year. The subject matter does does interests me slash concern me it's very easy to get this wrong but you know it's a good strong team behind it um it will be it'll be interesting to see what the results are all right well we look forward to seeing it next year uh finally this week our commission of the fortnight and there can only be one champ and that's the return of robot wars to bbc2 uh Ment on scotland is rebooting the format for a six-part series which will be filmed in a bulletproof arena in glasgow and feature whiz bang new flying machines robin Activate. <laughs> it's a bit early in the morning for that. Um, it's, it's a fun format that perhaps we look at with slightly uh, rose tinted glasses. But it, it was a good kind of tea time, sort of Top Gear light kind of show. Particularly sort of dads and kids to sort of bond over, I think, and uh, you know, tinker away in your shed or whatever. It's been very popular online. This yeah, story. no, people it was have trending a lot of, yesterday. Love nostalgia for it. Were you yeah. a fan for us? Yeah. Well, you remember they 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 tried to do lots of other commissions off the back of it. There was like Fight Box. 
that was um, presented by Trevor Nelson. That was I all of the kind don't, of don't CGI that. things. There was like, you know, there was a whole glut of uh, of commissions that were were done to kind of jump off the success of of what happened with with Robot Wars. Look, I mean, it's it's always interesting because it's a brand that's known and it's got cultural cachet, and that's all great. As always, I'm an advocate for new ideas and and, uh, and and new things happening. And I think it's a bit of a shame that, you know, technology has moved on so significantly um, since, you know, since the days of Robot Wars. And it will be nice to kind of see if we could have unlocked a, a different new format that we could all get excited about. But having said that, it's a brand. It's one that gets lots of people excited. And what, one of the great things about Robot Wars is that it did have that whole kind of father-son thing going on. So there was kind of cross-generational content, which which is a really difficult thing to do. It's I, I think that there's very few shows that successfully are able to to attract um, a big, large audience demographics like that. So yeah. um, so it'd be it would be great to see it back. And and I think that we're all going to watch the first few episodes of it. <laughs> Whether it's going to continue, the, the thing actually that I would compare it to is is what. ITV have done with Ninja Warrior and and like when I when Sky One bought back Gladiators it's you know it's those sort of shows that in the 90s you know were very of their time and you wanted lots of lots of people cheering and rattling cages behind it but you when you watch it now you're kind of a bit like we've moved on from this so it'll be interesting to see what format changes they make well you could see that PSB ethos running through it with you know BBC Two sort of celebrating science and, and advances in mm. new technology engineering all the rest of it you know you can see that maybe being played on a bit more. Yeah, are they giving an in indication of if it's, if it's going to be a primetime show? Because before, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it was always kind of a tea time. It was Friday show. nights, wasn't it? Yeah. From what I remember. Yeah, I remember it was sort of starting the tea time. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it, it grew as, as mm. it, got, and it grew in their popularity. They, they did lots of different types of versions of it where it kind of got a little bit nutty and the, the, the robots got bigger. And, and, you know, but like, you know, we are all talking about drone technology. Everyone's, you know, bizarrely riding a hoverboard right now. It's, it's, uh, it's, it is of its time. And, and I think that there is going to be lots of interesting uh, outcomes of it. And, and you know what, if it sparks lots of kids getting, wanting to get into engineering and building robots in schools and things like that, um, I'm, I'm all for it. But we just need to make sure that we're not doing what we did 10, yeah. 15, 10 years ago, so, 15 so years here's ago. a question. We, you know, we, we are seeing so many reboots these days. Is the TV ideas machine bankrupt or are broadcasters just less willing to take risk these days? I, I, think, I think it's more of the latter. I think if you look at the film industry now and the majority of big summer blockbusters are brands existing already uh, or they're kind of comic book titles that have got an audience to them already and, and so people can you know off the bat you can bring an audience to it straight away things are noisy and crowded right now and trying to bring an audience to something and a new brand is a difficult thing to do um, because you've got to either trust that it can grow something over time or or it can be have a bit of controversy or you know something that gets a bit of PR ahead of time and, and obviously a title that people have already heard of that you know becomes a big trending topic you know if you did a commission of a big engineering show um, that was going to be a, a Friday night primetime thing. It's never going to get the traction that you guys got on on broadcast um, because it's not got Robot Wars in the title. So I, I think that that's just part of the part of the issue. It's just the way that that we as humans are, are wired, unfortunately. Because we but what just... happens when we run out of things to reinvent? We don't. <laughs> we don't. Never happen. <laughs> never happens. No. I like that. Let's end on a note of positivity. Uh, those are your headlines for this week. My thanks to Robin and Farad. <laughs> On to some previews. Uh, Robin and Faraz are still with me and we will start with UK TV's Gold, uh, which is preparing its latest original comedy. Uh, Do Not Disturb features Catherine Tate and Miles Jupp as an estranged couple who give their relationship a second chance after Tate's character Anna has an affair with a younger man. Produced by Lonesome Pine Productions, here the husband and wife cross paths in the honeymoon suite of a hotel. 
Why are you here? Very different reasons to you, it would seem. I don't understand. Well, let me explain, because it cost £330. I didn't think that it should sit empty just because you screwed up our marriage. That price turned out to be exclusive of VAT, by the way, which is galling. How have you been? Where is he? Who? The boy that you planned on sleeping with on our wedding anniversary. Oh, you are an idiot. No shit. The day I said I do made that clear. Uh, Mr Parker. Well, that, that was a good clip because it ended on a, a good line, and I I really wanted to like this a lot because I do like Miles Jupp and uh, Miles Jupp is very good. He's in great, it, I think. and um, he's the best. And Sean Gibson as well from Carshare, who's fantastic. Farce is really hard to do, and I uh, when it's done well, it's fantastic. Having a having a hotel setting for this just makes you think. Okay, Forty Towers, I'm Alan Partridge, countless West End farces. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lineage here, and I felt that for me the the pacing was slightly off. The music a little bit forced, and the contrivances which you need in in a fast contrivances for contrivance too far. So whole long conversations going on behind a closed door where the other partner can't hear it, even though they blatantly <laughs> would be able to. Uh, just felt it's a little a at point. <laughs> so I didn't quite buy into that, which is a shame because there's a lot in it. There's a lot of perform- great performers in it and some good ideas, but it just felt like I'd, I'd sort of seen it before. And I, and I thought, you know, dragging this out to forty five minutes, thought the pace wasn't quite frantic enough. It was a it was a bit like a bad carry on film, I thought. Yeah. Um But I mean I, I always try to remember Gold that it's not really aimed at younger generations. No. No. And it, they, it, they're it, trying to bring a sort of slightly different audience. Yeah, I was to it, like I say, I always want to like the new gold comedies because I know what they're trying to do and I think there is an audience for this and, and up to a point people will enjoy it. I just uh, it just needed something more to it and I think some, I don't know if the script's been around for a while, but there's a lot of references to Cougar Town in it, which is, I don't know when that finished, but that was good for years, good for what, the five, six years ago. Courtney, Courtney Cox, Cox, Cox yeah. <laughs> so I just thought, why am I hearing references to this? Is it, is it just because it's you know, an old script that someone's dusted off? Oh, uh, it's just that little bit. Like yeah, they could have updated punch. those references. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, it is gold, isn't it? So it's, it's got to feel a little bit dated by, yeah. by, its, own, by its own proxy. But Are I mean, you a gold viewer? I mean, but I mean, gold's doing some interesting stuff with its reruns at the moment. Yeah, they're having a, a, a late night block now with Garth Marenghi and uh, Nathan Barley and stuff. Yeah, they're, 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 they're shifting perceptions of what, what you know, old fashioned sitcoms are on gold. They're, they're trying to bring in new audiences, and this, this may sit between the two. I don't know. But that, that doesn't really, it doesn't really uh, sit comfortably with that ambition, I don't think trying to update it a bit and because I, I when I look at gold I think you know it's it's clearly exceptional at what it does mm-hmm. it serves its audience really and a well. Christmas something that I wouldn't really uh, alight on in the EPG no and the problem they, they still have is people aren't going there for new shows how do you bring them there to a new show okay you may schedule this after one of their most popular shows or whatever but and, and the, the reason for that is because they you know when they launched and for, for the long part of their, their history they have been known as the home of reruns that was the whole point of the channel it's why it's called gold is because you meant to see stuff that you used to love when you were you know when you're a little bit younger and I think that there's a uh, you know they have an uphill struggle to kind of get people to recognize it as an original content and space yeah they're copied in two stalls because they you know they want to bring people to, to, the, to the channel with new commissions with big stars I don't know if it's just me as an industry, industry person sort of saying this but when you see big stars doing a one-off special like this you think well Catherine Tate has BBC one shows why is she doing why is mm. this one on gold why isn't this? Why shouldn't you know? If it's not, if it's not, if it's not this with BBC One, is this going to be a bit of a, a bit of a damp squib? I don't know. But maybe that's a bit harsh. Okay. Do not disturb. Airs on Gold on the twenty seventh of January at ten pm. 
Uh, next up, we put a call to BBC Two, which is going behind the scenes of the UK's biggest mobile phone sales competition for six-part series Phone Shop Idol. Uh, here's a clip from the first episode. Uh, Maria Cooper used to sell marital aids for a well-known lingerie company, but is now Tesco Mobile's shining star. How will she fare against the secret shopper? Hi, yeah. Yeah, very well, thanks. Good. How can yeah. I help? I'm just out after a phone for my daughter. Okay, yeah. So, um, how old is your daughter? Uh, 15. Oh, okay, then. Yeah. So, what sort of budget do you have in your mind? It's good that she's asking about the budget. Yeah. How, does she have a phone? Okay, now we'll do a capped contract for your yeah. daughter, which gives you that peace of mind. Yeah, she hasn't shown him any phones yet. She has like three leaflets about iPhones. She just needs to say, okay, these are the five phones within your budget. This is what each of them do. Which one would you like? Yeah. It's actually quite simple. Put £20 on credit, right. and then we would triple that. So she'd have an extra £40, so she'd have £60 to use. Okay. Okay. That's not actually going to go very far. Right. What? Okay. £60 won't go far, okay. Christian, just so you know. That's a lot of money. £60? Fraz, do you want to start us on this? She's a, she actually that character does an amazing bit of casting because it it literally feels like Emma Fry's character from from Phone Shop, the the uh, E Four comedy because they look they look the same, they almost act in the same way, so <laughs> you can kind of see why they why, why they selected her. But beyond that, I I kind of was a bit let down by this show because it it's a it feels so this feels like there's so much conceit behind it. It doesn't really feel like a proper competition. They don't they all feel like they're playing up to the camera because there are cameras there. It's it's kind of trying to make something interesting that's not really that interesting, and and particularly when it's it's obviously taken the title of Phone Shop from from the comedy, which is in, you know one of my favourite comedies in the last the last few years, and 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 turn, try to turn it into a a kind of comedy slash slash documentary, and it, I, it I sort of feel, fell between stools, I think. Yeah, and I think I think that I would like to have seen it being a little bit braver. The, the, the characters are interesting, but they are you know this isn't a structured reality piece, so they have they don't kind of take it to the next level. So it just feels like a very straightforward observational documentary with some cringeworthy characters but actually you know the conceit of the competition isn't isn't really there because it it feels like it's just a a small thing that the magazine has set up if at at one point i felt and i don't know if it's true or not but it felt like it was something that was set up for this documentary just to give it somewhere to get to um and the competition itself yeah it just well i just it's a bit like well and but you know they they they, it's clear later on that actually it has established it's established and running for a few years but it's it's kind of just doesn't feel like it, it has enough gravitas to, to it certainly doesn't feel like it has enough gravitas to, to be a multi-part documentary i was quite surprised that they were they were coming back six to parts. it parts, six yeah. parts six parts yeah and yeah. The, the the show that kept spraying to it's mind like a two-year mobile what, phone what, contract what, <laughs> it's like definitely yeah. locking you in and not letting you go regardless of if you like it or not the show that kept spraying to my mind was the call center and yeah. and that is it's, so it's, good it's the somewhere, character, the we're somewhere between so well, that and, and, and yeah. an apprentice challenge yeah. isn't it? and it's uh, the characters in that are so well formed in the call center that's obviously what they were hoping for and you just don't get any of that no and i don't I don't think you spend enough time with them doing the pitch. And I think, you know, you've got some, some, it's felt just so busy. In half an hour, you had lots of people. You had the judges. You had the promise of what's coming up in the series. You had the, you know, the different kind of bits. But you don't, you know, you spend very, very little time with them doing the pitch. Maybe, maybe that bit, maybe that wouldn't be as interesting, but that is kind of the core of what they are doing. So it just felt like um, if this had been an apprentice challenge, you would have been there in with them for the duration of that and you'd have seen the strengths and weaknesses of them doing it. Here, it's just like some people doing their job and you see little bits of it. But you spend time with them, and then two of the characters they just ditch at the end. Yeah, they just get, like I mean, you, you invest in them for 
you know, the majority of the episode, and then they and it, got and it's not really built up that like you know, and they it, wave at you as well. Yeah. But it's, also not, it's, it's not really built up that, that that's that's going to be you know we are pitched they were pitted against each other and someone's going to be out by the end of this episode. They need to ramp that up a little bit. Like I say, falling between two stools of uh, reality and. Sort of social commentary, which BBC Two is very fond of at the moment. Um, But yeah, yeah, it 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 didn't quite work, I don't think. Um, And it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the series sort of plays out because it feels. I mean, the the trailer for the second episode looked like it might be a bit more promising, a bit more feistiness, a bit more of the sort of competition element. You didn't really get that frisson, I don't think, Mm. in the first episode. But it just it just feels like it's going to become more and more ludicrous. Then because like the 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 idea is behind the second episode is sounds like they're going to put in odd situations like to to those people and get them to to deal with like difficult customers and and things like that. But it's again, it just feels artifice. It doesn't feel like the real experience of what it's like working on the high street in in that in that sort of environment um and you never really get an understanding of what the customers think of them and the actual people that interact with them day to day it's it's all of this kind of weird high i mean it's like you know the call center is is brilliant and the characters are in it are brilliant as well but the reason that it makes sense to a lot of people watching at home is that it's these are people that you interact with generally on, on a frustrating level every day a phone shop you buy by its very definition and, and as is exampled in this show is something that you interact with maybe once every two years um and maybe not even that i mean oft, yeah. often you're in with your contract you're just doing it again back yeah. with, your, with the call center at o2 or, or three and or so it's, it's almost like the people that go into phone shops and you know actually shop for their phones you know they're curious in their own right but yet you never get to see any of those people you never get to see the characters that actually spend their time on a high street kind of going my phone doesn't work and i don't understand why and, and the frustrations and the patience that they have to deal with that none of that is there it might be there in, in the later episodes because they've got to fill six episodes of content so you know hopefully we'll see that later what would have been moment. better estate agent idol I do, well I, do, I would do it i would do it like and and really ham it up and and like i say make it structured reality or, or make it something that that you you know you're kind of it's a, a nod and a wink alongside it or you know or make it really obstock and and don't try and put a competition conceit behind it it's it, but you know that those are the two stalls and this is in between them and it doesn't quite work okay phone shop idol launches on the 19th of january at 10 p.m on bbc2 uh, and we've reached the end of the line for this particular episode of talking tv thanks to my guests robin parker and faraz osman Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and get involved in the conversation through Twitter. Uh, And just a reminder that our producer interview will be back next time. If you'd like to shout about one of your own TV shows, please do get in touch. I'm on jake.canter at broadcastnow.co.uk. But that really is it. Uh, The producer was Matt Hill. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to Broadcast, talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. 